in a series about prayer, and I've oftentimes wondered, what is it that compels people to pray? Like, why do we pray? Um, I'll tell you why I've been praying lately. Um, These are called prayers of desperation. I don't know if anyone else feels this, but the sickness, coldness, whatever has been going through my house the last 14 million weeks has been horrific. Um, Influenza A, pneumonia, case of the hives, head to toe. I mean, it's been real fun. Uh, So that has motivated my prayer life. You know, anytime you are sick or your kids are sick, I think nothing makes you want to pray faster than that. But but what is it in your life that makes you want to pray? What compels you to pray? Maybe you're driving down 74 and you see the flashing lights, you see the cars piled up, and immediately you start praying. Maybe you pray in tongues because you don't know what to pray, right? You're praying. Maybe you've been stewarding your finances so well. You have been honoring God. You've been doing all the right things. And then, bam, you get this bill out of nowhere that you didn't expect. What do you do? You pray. Maybe you're hanging out with your friends, watching Monday night football, right? Bengals, Bills. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Damar Hamlin just collapses on the field. I'm telling you, everyone and their mother, whether they have professed faith or not before, they started praying, right? And thank God. What do we see? Prayer works, right? He's doing so great. What, what is it in your life that motivates you to pray? I have a hunch that many times we pray out of reaction to something we experience, right? It's a reactionary prayer. But what if I told you that there was more to prayer than just praying out of reaction to something we experience? What if we could pray out of relationship and not just reaction, You know, Julie launched us into this brand new series last week on prayer, where we are learning to pray the way that Jesus prayed. You know, Jesus modeled so perfectly what it looks like for us to commune with the Father, where the Jewish people before had been taught to recite these memorized prayers, or or they saw the religious leaders going on and on in prayer and blah, 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 right? Jesus is like, guys, there's a better way. There's a better way to do it. And he shares that in Matthew 6. He says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. When Jesus came onto the scene, he changed absolutely everything. And he came to reveal to us what we could not see before. More specifically, when we're talking about prayer, Jesus shares this format for prayer with the disciples that allows them to pray the way that he prays. And it's not out of reaction, it's out of relationship. And of course, you're probably familiar with this prayer. We, we started it last week. You might have heard it called the Lord's Prayer, but we're going to start this morning by reading through the Lord's Prayer together in Scripture. It's found in Matthew 6. It says, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning. We turn our attention fully to you and your presence, Father. And we just invite you to be our teacher. God, we thank you that you're showing us how to pray. And I pray today that there would be a revelation for each of us to see you the way you truly are. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. 
All right, so we wanna pray like Jesus prayed. And so we're not only studying the Lord's Prayer to learn the prayer, we're actually asking God for insights as to why Jesus prayed the way that he did. And today we're gonna focus in on four little words of that prayer that will have a huge impact on our prayer life if we would let them. And they are the first four words of the prayer. Our Father in heaven. Let's say this together. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. When, when Jesus is praying, he starts by addressing God the Father as our Father in heaven. And Jesus has a perfect revelation of who God the Father is, which means he sees the Father exactly as he is, unfiltered, unbiased. You know that we like so much of what we get is filtered content in our lives. Everything's filtered. It's curated. Everything on the gram's filtered. Everything has a filter on it. But even our experiences, our lens, our worldview, it filters the world in which we see it. And that means that the, most of the times, we're not seeing things as they really are. We have a filter on. We're not seeing it quite right. But because Jesus has this perfect revelation of God the Father, it means he is seeing the real Father, unfiltered. And so if we're going to pray like Jesus prayed, it's important that we see what Jesus sees, right? And he sees the Father as he truly is. Now, for so many of us, uh, when we approach our prayer lives, there can be the stumbling block right out of the gate with these first four words, our Father in heaven, because we have an earthly filter on who the Father is. So many times our experience with our earthly fathers, with our earthly mothers, they filter our experience of our heavenly father. Now, for some of us, when we think about father, we get all these warm, gushy, wonderful feelings, like feelings of warmth and protection and provision and kindness and all of this because we experience that with our earthly father. That's amazing. I hope that's true. But for others of us, maybe that wasn't our experience. Maybe we don't have those same feelings. Maybe when you were growing up as a child, you were to be seen and not heard. Boomers, you relate to this, right? My mom, I remember my mom saying this, like, actually, I, we weren't allowed to talk. We didn't, so there were no feelings of like, ooey gooey love. Children were a nuisance, right? They don't have anything to contribute. So maybe you had a respect for your parents or a reverence, but you did not feel loved. You did not feel cared for in that way. It was missing something. Perhaps your filter that you have on is that you are unseen or unheard. For me, when I was growing up, um, my parents divorced when I was nine. And so a lot of my childhood was spent without my dad in the home. And just the nature of him being there, that comes with its own set of baggage because he wasn't in the home, he wasn't present. And let me say this before I say anything else. There are no perfect parents. We all just say this together. There are no perfect parents, right? You didn't have them. You aren't one. You won't be one. Like there are no perfect parents. So we can let that thing just fly, okay? No perfect parents. But as, as a kid, I, I looked at my situation and I'm like, okay, this is not, this, this just can't be right, right? My dad's not here. My parents are divorced. My mom has a chronic illness most of my childhood. And so that meant for me, I actually was responsible for a ton of the day-to-day -day stuff in my home. I had to pack the lunches. I had to get the groceries. I had to do the laundry. I had to make sure I got up on my own for school every morning. Like there's no one checking in like, did you get that paper for science class? No, nobody was asking me these questions. And what I felt like growing up, real talk, just truly, I felt like no one's gonna help me. I feel very alone. 
Like, who's gonna care for me? Who's gonna help me? Who's gonna be there? Who can I rely on? I didn't feel like I had that growing up. And that put a filter on the way that I saw the father. Because if what I see revealed in my parents is that, yeah, they're, they're prob- they can't, they just can't. They're not capable of doing the things that you really need or championing you in the way you need it. The question goes, but is that how God sees me? Will God take care of my daily needs? Does God even care about the day-to-day? And so I'd like to ask you, what filter do you have on right now? What were your experiences like with your parents growing up that could possibly be filtering and affecting the way that you view our Father in heaven? Because if the filter is wrong, we won't have an accurate view of our Father, and we will not be able to pray in the way that Jesus prayed. Now, interestingly, the disciples also had an inaccurate view of God the Father. They had a filtered view of who he is. Um, the Jewish people, they had this belief that God was like, not, not like intimate and close. He was more of a far away God, right? Maybe more about rules and re- regulations than he was about relationship. It wasn't like an intimate kind of love. I mean, they, they respected the holy God, absolutely. God the Father was revered, but he, they couldn't even say his name out loud. That's how like, it, it wasn't up close and personal. It felt a little more distant. And so they had this uh, filter on that just says, God, God is out there, God is not here, up and close. And so all of us, where, wherever we come from, for years and years and years, we've always had this filter on the Father that's just not quite right. And with that filter on, we're not seeing God as he truly is. And so the, what we're gonna unpack today is, who is God the Father? Who is our heavenly Father? What is his nature? What is he like? Well, in the Gospel of John, in chapter 14, we find out. Because Jesus tells us this, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. This is an incredible revelation. Anyone who has seen Jesus has seen the Father. Now the disciples, they they were having this experience with Jesus in flesh and blood, right, in, in their face, and it was so intimate and it was so personal, right? And this was seemingly different than their experience of God the Father, which felt more like a formal relationship rather than a personal one. But Jesus, who is 100% God, 100% man, he was up close and personal. He's warm, he's compassionate, he's a provider, he's a healer, he's a teacher, he's a friend. And they're thinking, wait a minute, you and him, like that, the same? They had a filter on, they couldn't see it. Jesus came to reveal that if you have seen him, you've seen the Father. It's a huge revelation. So if, if there is anything you think about God that you do not see in the person of Jesus, you have the wrong filter on. This is important. We'll talk a little bit about that in a second. Hebrews 1.3 says, he is the radiance, he, Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So if we think something about God that we don't see revealed in Jesus, we got it wrong, Okay. Our heavenly father is personal, intimate, kind. He's a perfect father, a father who is absolutely crazy about us. Each one of us, he loves us so deeply. He knows us better than we could ever know ourselves. And he's a father who will provide for every single need that we have. He longs to be an intimate, personal relationship with every single one of us. And he is a provider. He's he's so provided. He made a provision so that every single one of us could be reconciled to himself through Jesus. That's how much he cares. 
We read about this in Hebrews 4. It says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And this is important because this piece will show us how we're, we're kind of missing it in our prayer life. Listen. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Because of Jesus, we can come boldly to the throne of our gracious father and receive his mercy when we need it the most. This is a beautiful promise, but I'm telling you, most of us do not approach God this way. We don't, we don't approach according to this scripture, right? Why? What do we fear? Rejection, judgment, uh, shame. But all of those things are filters. They're not reality. Scripture tells us what we will be met with, the goodness and graciousness and mercy of a kind and loving father, and yet we're afraid or we don't want to talk to him because we think he's going to what? Judge us, shame us, kick us out, not be there when we need him. It's just not true. We've got to change our filter. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And all throughout scripture, you see that Jesus is modeling the mercy of the Father. He's modeling it. And you know what that, what that does with sinners? Keeps them away. They're like, we can't go anywhere near this guy. I'm kidding. You can go read it in the Gospels. They were so drawn to Jesus. It was like a moth to a flame. They couldn't help but be around this guy. Town prostitute, she's not hiding in the corner fearing judgment. She's weeping at his feet. She had to be around him. The tax collector, you know, he's scamming everybody, ripping off everybody in the community. He's not afraid to be around Jesus. He runs to him. The same mercy that Jesus like walks in and shares with the world is the same mercy the father wants to meet you with but we've got the wrong filter on. We think we're gonna get something else, a harsh judge, not a loving father. He's a loving father. He wants to be so present for you in your life. How do we think about God the Father or Jesus? I think, like really think about this. When you think about God the Father and you come with like all your little descriptions and you think about Jesus, are they different? Do we maybe think Jesus is like the bro that's like helped us like, like spare the wrath of dad? If we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father, like Father, like Son. We want to enter our prayer lives with a fresh filter on. We wanna have the correct view of our Heavenly Father as we pray, which means that we know he is a good Father, a gracious Father, a kind and generous Father. And we start every prayer with this acknowledgement. This is how Jesus modeled it, because that's the frame of mind that we have to pray with. We have to be praying, if we want to pray like Jesus, we have to think like Jesus and declare out who God our Father is. Keep in mind, it's not God uh, our Father, it's God our Father in heaven, in heaven. And this piece is really, really important. God the Father in heaven, he's on the throne. He is ruling and reigning over everything and all of creation. He's in charge, completely in charge. Notice I didn't say in control, but that's a whole nother thing. We read it, we see a post on Facebook, God's in control. No, he's not. You know why? Free will. I'm sorry, in my household, let me tell you, I am, I am in charge. There is no way I'm in control. Have you seen these people? Uh-uh. 
Free will, all up in that house, everywhere, free will. He is in charge, but he's not in control. But I'm telling you, in the seat in which he sits, he sees everything perfectly. And that's what we have to remember. He sees from a different perspective. And so when we pray our Father in heaven, what we are actually praying is a prayer of surrender. Surrender drips with humility. Surrender says, God, I know I don't see. I see in part, you see in whole, right? You see the whole thing. Surrender says, God, I know that you know way more than I do. I know that you walk in full wisdom and full kindness and full, like we just declare out who he is. And what happens in that moment actually is we are changed because we're declaring out who he is. He sees things I cannot see. And the question is, do we trust him? Surrender says, I don't have your perspective, Father. Can you show me what I don't see? He sits in a different seat. He has a completely different perspective because I've learned so much about God the Father through becoming a mother, right? There's, there's something that happens. We're like, oh, I kind of get it. And this is like a tiny little taste, I think, of what the Father feels towards us. Um, I mentioned that free will thing. That's real. So... Um, as, as I'm learning to parent my kids, we're doing like a funnel method of parenting, right? Which, you know, a funnel looks like this. So when they're really little, they have very little free will because I'm in charge, right? So I'm picking your clothes. I'm telling you what food you're gonna eat. I'm putting you down for a nap when I think you need it, right? I make all the decisions. But the older they get, that just don't fly anymore. I can't apparently make all the decisions. But the, the truth is I'm raising adults, not kids, right? I want healthy adults walking around in the world, not... Messed up kids. So, so the funnel is you get to start making your own decisions. Now, here's the thing. As the parent, I don't like some of their decisions. I don't agree with it. I sit in a totally different seat with a totally different perspective. I'm like, do you want to ask me what I think about this decision? Like, do you want my perspective? Oftentimes, they do not. My youngest, eight-year-old, loves gas station slushies. You know what I'm talking about? Gas station slushies. Terrible. One of the pregnancies, I actually really loved them. It was probably hers, but I made this problem myself. Okay, anyway, she loves gas station slushies. And all the time, mom, can I please get a slushie? Can I please get a slushie? So I do the mom thing. I'm like, well, how much sugar have you had today? None, I haven't had any treats all day. Dang it. Um, Well, you know, anyway, you go through all the things. And I was like, you can make this choice. It's your body. You can put things in it. My perspective is, probably not going to go well for you, which means it's not going to go well for me. But she has this freedom. She drinks the slushie, and about an hour later, one, she's either bouncing off the walls because sugar, or she's like, oh, my tummy hurts, right? From my seat, in my perspective, I want to do the best thing for her, which would be like, I, I don't think this is best for you. You have free will. You can choose it. It's your body. You got to live with the consequences. Sometimes I live with those consequences, but it's, it's your life. The question is, does she trust me enough that I am actually for her, that I want good things for her? And in the same way, you guys, this is the same perspective the Father has for us. We come to him in prayer, gimme, 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 I just need the slushy. I just need it. What if we just said, what's your perspective on this? Holy Spirit, show me what I don't see. God the Father, I know you are so completely for me. Can you, can you show me what I'm missing here? Now, free will, we can do what we want. Is that the life we want to live? Invite him into the process. Ask him for his perspective. He's a good father who wants to give good gifts to his kids. 
We read about this in Matthew 7. It says, which one of you, if a son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, knows how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? He's a good father. He's not holding out on us. Look, we need, he's not holding out on us. He's totally for us, completely for us. And here's the thing, we read this earlier in Matthew, in verse eight, it says, your father knows exactly what you need before you even ask him. He's a good father. He knows what you need, which is never a slushy, ever. <laughs> we can pray in confidence to our father in heaven because he is who he says he is. He is who he says he is. We're gonna talk next week about the names of God, so come back, but I wanna just take a minute and talk a little bit about who I know God to be. And the first thing is, our Father in heaven is all-knowing. All-knowing. He's brilliant. He has every solution to every problem you will ever have. He knows you better than you know you. I say this to my kids all the time. I'm like, I know you better than you know you. If you don't eat a snack now, melt down in about 20 minutes. I know you. And he says, Leah, I know you better than you know you. Let me tell you, you need a nap. I don't mind when he says that, actually. I like naps. He knew me before he knit me together in my mother's womb. He knows me. He knows everything about me. He knows my dreams. He knows my, uh, my, like the, the vision I have for my life. He knows everything that has ever happened to me. He knows how we picked up that habit we just really don't like. He knows why we did it. He knows. He knows that kind thing you did that nobody even saw and you didn't get any credit for. He, he saw it. He's all-knowing and He's 100% completely for you. He is your biggest cheerleader, your number one champion. He wants you to succeed more than you want to succeed. He, he sees where you're headed and he wants to show you his perspective so that you can live in the fullness of everything that he has for you. He's crazy about you. He's so for you. And he's so generous. When we pray these prayers of surrender, this, our Father in heaven, you see something that I clearly don't see. Your perspective is different than mine. But man, I'm praying in faith, trusting him, that all of this is true. And it changes the way that I pray because I actually start praying prayers of just thankfulness rather than begging. Thank you, thank you, God, that you already see what I need. Thank you, God, that you knew what I needed before I needed it. Thank you, God, that you're keeping all the slushies out of my path. Thank you, God, that you, you know, whatever it is. But he, he's so for us. We pray differently. And what I love about praying our Father in heaven is we are declaring, I'm not alone. Have you felt lonely? Do you ever feel like there's pieces of your life you're like, nobody gets this. Nobody gets me. Nobody feels the things I feel. Nobody's experience has been my experience. Like, no, nobody, they don't know. He knows. You're not alone. So much so that the prayer is not my father in heaven. You know this? I'm praying it to God. It's not my father in heaven. It is our father in heaven, which means that this is a corporate experience of God the Father. 
You know what this does? Again, changes my perspective. Maybe my problem is not as big as I thought my problem was. Maybe my perspective is a little different. It's not just about me. It is about me. I'm part of it, but I'm not all of it. God, you, you, you have this whole big world. It is our Father in heaven. And what I love about this is God uses, partners with, uh, comes into agreement with sons and daughters to oftentimes meet the needs of the requests that we have. Think about this. Think about many times in your life when God, like when he gives you a little, hey, I, I, you should encourage that person today or hey, you should send uh, a nice gift to so-and-so or hey, did you? And you're like prompted by Holy Spirit. You are being a partner in kingdom ministry to release the kingdom into their life. You are becoming the answer to someone else's problem and someone else's prayer request, right? This is fascinating. Well, I love this again because we are not alone. We do this together. It's not my father, it's our father. And this has been true in my life. You know, there, there was so long where I lived with this filter on that was like, God doesn't care about my everyday stuff. Like, I didn't really see it reflected in my parents. Like, he, I'm sure he doesn't care. I'm on my own. I'm all alone, right? And then, I, t- I told you guys this. When I was growing up, one of the things I had to do was set the alarm for myself to get myself to school. And what that did in me was created a very neurotic sleeper. So, I'm gonna just, welcome to my world, don't judge me. Um, When I would sleep at night, I could not sleep restfully because I was always petrified that I had to, I would miss my alarm, right? And no one's gonna back me up. No one's gonna make sure I didn't, you know, miss the bus or whatever. So I had this like deep fear that, oh my gosh, I'm gonna miss it, I'm gonna miss it. And I would wake up every night, multiple times a night, thinking like, you forgot to do something. You didn't, you didn't, you know, you didn't finish that problem for school or you didn't. So I would write, it's a lot of information for you. I would write myself little notes next to my bed, and it said, Leah, everything is done. Go back to sleep. Crazy. But this is true, and this is how I lived my life for so long. Fast forward to college, became a waitress. It just, like, exacerbated the problem, right? Because if you get off a shift at midnight, and you try to sleep afterwards, you wake up, like, this table 47 need ketchup. Like, I, I think I missed, I forgot. You, you, like, there is, like, this, whew, high energy. Sleep was so hard. One of the ways that the Father has cared for me about this, saying, Leah, I care about these needs. I care about these little things. When I got married, I was a child, pretty much. I was 21, 22. Ben was 22. When we got married, Ben, I was like filling him in on my crazy sleep. I'm like, just so you know, I wake up a lot and blah, blah. And he says to me, he's like, well, what if, like, what if I just was the alarm? I'm like, nope, no. Like, independent woman here. I don't need any of that. I take care of myself, right? And he's like, no, like, what if I... What, you just tell me like what time you want to get up and I'll, I'll like carry that weight and that burden. And you guys, it's been 17 and a half years, changed my life. I never, I never set an alarm. It makes me very bougie, but I just tell him every night before I, when he's like gone and stuff, I have to set it. Don't worry. Um, but for the most part, I'm just like, Hey babe, I need to get up at whatever time. And he faithfully saved two times that he missed it, but only twice. So you can't, that's pretty good actually. And he wakes me up every morning. Hey, it's, six, it's time to wake up. And I sleep so differently. What a gift. Do you know that God cares about those things? It's a li- little thing. He cares. He cares about the little things in your life. God knows you. He loves you. He wants to be, bring solutions to your problems. You're not alone. And part of this for me is allowing myself to be loved in this way. Because I'm a strong, independent woman. I don't need no help. Except that I do, and I love it. 
What parts, what filters have we been putting on the Father that are just not true? And are we willing to receive the good things he has for us? Right, we are participants, but we're also recipients. It goes both ways. Sometimes we give and sometimes we receive and it's beautiful. That's the kingdom. But we pray our Father in heaven knowing that he is who he says he is. It's how the prayer starts. It puts us in a right frame of mind. And here's what happens when we pray. Sometimes we see the breakthrough, right? We see the healing, we see the relationship restored, we see the bills paid, we see, we see visibly the hand of God on the move, right? There are other times when we have not yet seen the breakthrough, but can I promise you something that'll happen when you pray? You will change. You will change. Because if we are submitted and surrendered to our Father in heaven, saying, God, you see something I don't, show me what I don't see, what changes? Me. My perspective shifts. Oh, God, I didn't see it that way. I just didn't know. I didn't, I didn't think that slushy would really hurt my tummy. Thanks, thanks for sharing that with me. Right, he sits in a different seat. And so what happens in the presence is we have his perspective. And you guys, the presence of God is simply turning your attention to the Father. He never leaves. He never leaves. We all want to get in the presence all the time. Change your mind. He's here. I'm in the presence. He lives inside of me. I'm going to turn my attention to him, and I'm going to thank him for who he is. This filter, when we have the right view of God the Father, when we see that Jesus was the perfect revelation of who God is, when he revealed the Father, we see it in the flesh, it changes the way that we pray. So we pray, our Father in heaven, knowing that God is totally for me. He has every good thing, every good gift. He's not holding out on me. He wants me to succeed more than I want to succeed. We pray differently. We pray in power, knowing that he is who he says he is. And so I hope this week, as you spend some time praying the Lord's Prayer, uh, that you think with this perspective, that you invite the Father uh, to, to be in a, a part of, he wants to be part of every part of your life, right? It's not just the big things, it's also the little things. He wants to be in every moment with you because he loves you. He's not gonna abandon you. He wants to be with you. I feel like I need, he wants to be with you. He doesn't tolerate you. He likes being with you. And in any way, you haven't fully seen God for who he is. He wants to reveal himself. He loves you so much. There's nothing you could do that's gonna make him love you more and there's nothing you could do that's gonna make him love you less. And he has every solution you need and he's so present. And so this week as you pray, I want you to pray with this perspective that he is who he says he is, that he's crazy about you, and that he has good things in store for you. And in fact, if you grabbed, you might have grabbed this on the way in, if not, you can get it on the way out, but we just have a little printout for you to take with you as you pray this week. But I thought it would be fun. Let's go ahead and stand if you're able, and let's go ahead and think about the thing in your life that might be causing you to want to react in prayer. Is there something right now on your mind, on your heart, either for you or someone you know. I want you to think of that thing now 
And we're gonna go ahead and pray this prayer again together, but we're gonna have a different perspective on our Father in heaven, our Father who sees everything that we don't see, our Father who is perfect and wonderful and loving and kind and right here with us. And so think about this, let's, let's read this prayer together. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, we honor you. Thank you that you are a Father who is close, not far. Thank you that you're a Father who cares about every need and you champion us in ways that we don't even know we need it. And Father, I thank you that even when the enemy fires darts at us, we can leave with a confidence knowing that you've got this. I don't have to walk in any stress, any worry, any fear, because Jesus never walked in any of those things. And so Father, I thank you that when we come into your presence and we declare who you are, we leave completely free. We walk in with weight, we leave light because our perspective has changed. And so Father, I invite you to do what you do I ask that you would show us what we do not yet see, and I thank you that your kingdom will come. You are a father of breakthrough. You love your kids. And so we worship you now, Father. We worship you. We sing songs with lyrics that declare who you are. Thank you for being who you are. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.